Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You are now tuned in to the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast, where we talk about all things related to mental health, Black people, and the culture. I am your host, Dr. Shonda, licensed clinical psychologist, and it is Black History Month, y'all. Listen, y'all know at the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast, we talk about Black History 365, okay? We don't need a month, but today we blackly black, like we extra black this month. Uh, so I have none other then Mr. Krim with me today, and I'm so excited to have you, Mr. Krim. Hey, Dr. Shonda, it's a pleasure and honor to be here. I can't wait to have this conversation, especially with your expertise. I'm I'm excited too. Listen, I think you're probably like one of the first pages that I followed on TikTok since joining. I'm a newbie to TikTok. Like yeah. I, I'm just now getting there. People finally convinced me to get on, but yeah. uh, what, your page is legit. I, so it Thank was definitely you. an honor to have you uh, accept the invitation. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, the same with me. I mean, I, you know, we'll get into that conversation, but I was not someone who was excited about joining TikTok, but um, that's what that's where our people are. So I'm where we at, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm just going to briefly read your bio real quick, just so the people, um, just in case if they were living under a rock and they don't know who you are, <laughs> they can kind of get an idea of some of the things you've accomplished. Uh, so Mr. Ernest Krim III is a self-proclaimed Black history advocate who is a native of the South Side of Chicago, period. I love Chicago and a product of the late 80s. He is a University of Illinois Urbana champion. Champagne. Yeah, Champagne. Champagne. Yeah, okay. I, I know it's a weird name for a city, but yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, hello, alum who conducts or advocates for Black history, equity, and justice as a speaker, cultural consultant, sociopolitical commentator, and cast member on the PBS documentary, Divided We Fall. You know you legit when you've been on PBS. Uh, author of the Amazon bestseller, Black History Saved My Life, and former city council candidate and high school social science instructor. As a consultant and speaker, he uses his experience with fighting a hate crime that went viral to teach the importance role, the important role of Black history and how it plays a role in becoming culturally compliant, equitable in the workplace, school, and in broader community. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, Mr. Ernest Krim. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so your your bio is legit. Um, like yeah. I said, I love everything that you're doing. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about some of the things that have shaped your life experiences. Like, what has that been like for you? Yeah, so I included that part about the South Side of Chicago because that that shaped everything. Growing up in the city and um, not really understanding the way things were set up that had a profound impact on me because I had early exposure to other cultures, you know? And um, I, I know a lot of people like to politicize Chicago now because of like and the violence that exists in our city um, is a product of these systems in place. And that's not something I knew when I was younger, but also too, a lot of people would probably be shocked to know that the violence that came as a result of the war on drugs and the crack epidemic was statistically a lot worse back then. But because we didn't always, you know, have a timeline full of these full of this news, we didn't know we were just living our life, you know. So I grew up on the south side, uh, born in the late 80s and the 90s. I was bused to a white school for elementary and um, having white friends early on and being able to see their neighborhoods, what they lived like. And then coming back to my neighborhood and seeing what our neighborhood looked like, it, it made me ask questions. And I would say that, you know, I'm a product of parents who 
um, answered those questions or steered me in the right direction. And something that I'm finding a lot in our households, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, that those in our community who we deem to be successful, regardless if that means monetarily or based on the impact on the community, most often it's because they had a parent or mentor, somebody, a family member that that answered those questions and, and they, they molded that curiosity. So I was always asking why. So if my mom or dad couldn't answer, they would send me downstairs and we had these um, encyclopedias, from the world book, you know, before before dial up and all that stuff. And these books was old, though. They was from the 60s. I don't know where they, where they got them from. Might have been like a garage sale or something. But it still had like some good information in it, you know. And I, and I think that too. Two things besides that really shaped me. My house looked like a black history museum. And for those who can see this video, you see my office right now. Like mm -hmm. that's a microcosm of what my house was like growing up. Wow. My, my mom had like African like art everywhere. Um, we got we got black Jesus in the crib. So I, I could never understand why somebody had the blind hair, blue eye guy, whoever that was. Whoever <laughs> he is. Whoever he is. Get out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then when you would walk downstairs, we had these posters, which ironically were sponsored by Budweiser of all uh, companies. And it was called Great Kings and Queens of Africa. If you Google them, you'll find like some stuff probably on Etsy or eBay. And they had like these realistic pictures and portraits of African royalty from ancient Egypt all the way from the, the, the 1800s. We're talking about like hat ship suit. We're talking about, um, you know, King Tut, of course. We're talking all the way to Mansa Musa, uh, Queen Zinga, all these people. And I didn't like know what that was outside of that was just black brilliance. When I get older, like that type of stuff gets downloaded into your psyche. And, and you and, and from that I equate blackness with greatness, even when I was around white folks for eight years in school. And then besides that, I asked my mom one time um, when I was nine years old why we never had a black president because I didn't grow up with Obama. You know, Obama happened my senior year in college. So and my mom told me because um, they're expect like because they're waiting on you to grow up to fulfill that role. So like my mom like molded that inside of me like and, and, and it's not that I want to even be that that role anymore. I don't want to be president. But when somebody tells you that at night that you can do that, that makes you believe you can do anything you put your mind to literally. So like that foundation right there put me off to a great start to me because anything I faced from that point forward, um, I faced it proactively and I had a relentless spirit from it. You said a mouthful. Like it's, it's so many things that we can we can dig into based on what you said. Um, but I, I love how you you pointed out like you equate blackness with greatness, um, and that's not by coincidence. That's because mm -hmm. your parents were intentional about instilling that in you and educating you on what blackness means. Because if we leave it up to society to educate our children on what blackness means, then we're going to be indoctrinated with the idea of us being barbaric criminalized and, you know, being unhinged people. Yeah. Right. And so I love the fact that your parents were intentional about that, yeah. that racial socialization piece. Yeah. And I, I don't even know. And I, I tell them all the time how big of an impact they had on me. I talk about it in my book, too. But I don't I don't know if they realized what they were giving birth to, you know, wow. but I know talking to them now, they're they're more than excited and happy about it. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And I, I think this really kind of proves to us, like especially black people in general, um, parents, mentors, you know, even if you, if you don't have children, like we have to be intentional about educating mm -hmm. the next generation. Oh, yeah. Like every image, every right. like I don't think like when they young, especially everything your kids see, they're ingesting, digesting, yep. and it's coming out some way. So we have to be intentional about that. 
Exactly. Exactly. Um, I remember talking about your experience. I remember growing up, like our parents used to take us to the African, um, the African-American festivals that we had in Delaware. And mm-hmm. we were wear our like dashikis together, like as a family, like that was just so meaningful to us. And it really helped to instill that sense of cultural pride, uh, which is so important when instilling self-esteem in individuals yeah. who are uh, have, have a history of being marginalized. Yep. So I yep. love that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I do want to kind of talk more about like your your life experiences and even mm-hmm. as you discuss your upbringing. I know there was a, a very traumatic situation that happened to you mm-hmm. that actually went viral, um, and you ended yeah. up writing a book about it uh, called "Black History Saved My Life: How My Viral Hate Crime Led to an Awakening." Um, so, can we dig a little bit into that? Yeah. So, um, for everybody that knows me as a content creator, that uh, hate crime video was my first piece of content. Wow. And it wasn't playing that way. I, I'll tell you this, like when that happened on July 30th, 2016, I had no intention to ever create content. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, my, my intention was to teach. You know, I was a teacher at the time. I was still as pro-black as I am now, but it was pretty much reserved for the classroom setting. I had a mentoring program. I would go to protests and stuff, but I wasn't the person like I'm not about to be up there speaking. That just wasn't my mindset, you know. Um, and what happened was really what always happens in our history over the course of the last 500, 600 years, like we just be minding our business and then somebody white come bothering us, you know, and that's what, literally what happened. And, and, and my, me and my wife, we were at an event on the South side of Chicago and there are not that many white spaces on the South side. So we were the majority in this, in the situation, the white lady, she was there with one white friend and two black folks. So when, and when if folks see this video um, and it's literally the first video on my YouTube page, You'll be shocked to see that not only was she there with two black folks, but like they were creating like a barrier of protection. And how often do we see that symbolically with, you know, some of us in our community will will oftentimes protect whiteness as opposed to ourselves. So essentially, we went to this event. It was like the end of the summer. My wife's a teacher, too. And we just wanted to have some fun without the kids. And um, we, we were there for about three or four hours. It was like an outdoor party, South Shore Cultural Center, right off the lake. And as we were getting ready to leave, I noticed there was an open beanbag game called Cornhole. And I- hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. I don't often play that game. And because when you had a cookout, usually if it's a game like that, there's always occupied. So I'm like, oh, let's play it. It's open. Um, little did I know there was only one beanbag available. The group next to us where this lady was, they had like a whole bunch of them. So mm-hmm. we're, we're assuming they're going to provide them. They didn't. But one of them in a the group uh, threw one really far and nobody grabbed it. So my wife said after a few minutes, she goes over there and grabs it. 
And as soon as she grabs it, the white lady you see in the video, she was just like pissed off. Like she she could like couldn't fathom a black person grab something that didn't that she didn't even own. It wasn't even hers. It was public property. <laughs> but she just started flipping oh. out, going off, screaming at us. And first thing she did was call my wife a hoe. And this was like mm -hmm. after we weren't giving her the, you know, the, the bag. Cause I'm like, you screaming at me, you ain't getting this back. So you might as well come correct. Um, she calls her a hoe. And then at that point we, we're kind of, we're screaming at each other and she calls us the N word. And I'm, and I'm, and at that point, the black folks, they already there. And I'm just like that. Then I started talking to them. I'm just kind of like, hold on. Are y'all going to let this happen? Like y'all ain't going to say nothing. That's how but, you feel? Right. <laughs> Did they say anything? They, they said something to us. No, the black guy, which, which really blew me. He never said a word. He was just standing there like this the whole time, the whole time. And I couldn't, I just, as a black, like, I and I, I posted videos about some of the stuff I do in public. Like, I cannot stand to see a black person in distress. I just can't. I just, like, I have to say something, help, right. whatever. So it was beyond me that he didn't do anything or she didn't. Um, So I'm, like, recording because she's calling us the N-word. I'm like, okay, well, Ben, we're about to get some type of social justice in this situation. I'm about to make sure everybody knows who you are. So at this point, she's calling us the N-word, and I say, can you just like, yo, say, keep saying it and give us all your information, because you bold, right? Say your name, give me your address, all that. <laughs> and she just like came, she just starts blurting it out, screaming it 30 more times. And, and then, this is the lady that was with the black people. With the black folks. And and, okay. and, 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 the, and the black lady was like, oh, it doesn't bother us. It doesn't yeah. bother us. Like, what, okay. What are you talking about? Right, like, so, so it's like they're between us and the white ladies behind. And then she takes a step away, turns back, and spits on us. And and that and that was yeah. I see you see how you just felt because I, I I know the reaction, and I'm not sure if you saw it, but for anybody who who has seen it or wants to see that, you just have to always keep in mind too. With that, you're seeing it in first person because I'm recording. Yeah. You don't even see my face, but also too, like it's unfortunately very relatable for us because even if you never experienced that, you see yourself. You hear me exactly. screaming loudly. Yeah. For them to do something, not for her, but for them. And she was calling the cops at simultaneously while she's screaming at us. She wanted the cops to come over. So there's a whole bunch of dynamics going on. Um, but not but not to spoil the story for anybody, but long story short, you know, we we left. She got kicked out. She didn't get arrested. And me and my wife were sat in the car and we said, Okay, we gotta post this, get this information, because that's a crime, and I ain't going, basically. Like, you know. And, and the rest, I guess, is history, because after that, I fought the case. Um, I started posting vlogs because my Facebook page was taken down. And then, like, I started speaking. Pro Honestly, seven years ago this month, I had my first uh, speaking engagement. I had a friend from college ask me to speak to a middle school. And then from there, I just kept going mm -hmm. to share my story. Yep. Wow. Wow. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Um, I'm very... <laughs> happy that you're using that moment um, to educate like our people and to kind of mm -hmm. like talk about some of these things, but that's not okay. Like that, right. like spitting yeah. on somebody is the lowest thing that you can do to somebody. Yep. And yep. the simple fact that she was so comfortable with yeah. saying the N word amongst her black friends, yeah. like that, that is beyond me. Disturbing. Um, and it's, it's, to me, it was literally a case of at this point, it's like, imagine being racist and you find one of the, one of the most, pro-black people ever <laughs> in, in that time you know what i'm saying like right. somebody who is not just pro-black was gonna speak out about it. like you mm -hmm. that's horrible luck on her end because here i am seven years later 
And like, I don't speak about it every day, but when I have a speaking engagement, people talk about it. We we watch that. So like, yo, she that that's gonna live forever. So unfortunately forever. for her, but hey, that's what you did. So <laughs> I wonder. So like, while you were experiencing that, um, what what happened with you? Like emotionally, how did it impact you? Mentally, like so many things can come from a situation like that. Um. I would say, so I grew up as like, again, my neighborhood, you had to fight a lot. Um, you know, it, but it was, it was always love though. Like we fought, you know, then we'd be cool. We later, a couple of days later, um, win some, you lose some. By the time I became a teenager, kind of got that out of my system. I didn't, I, you know, not confrontational, but somebody who like knows that I don't want to go to that place because you know how it is, especially when you're real kind to people mm-hmm. it's because you know. It's <laughs> like I don't want to go there. Right. So when that situation happened, I I had never I had never been that like stressed, trauma, like everything at once from like I can't even recall. And something people will ask me if I if I ever been called the N-word before. And it happened mm-hmm. in college, but it was somebody in the car and they were driving past. So it was like I've never been face to face with right. the, the potential, the the ability to react, you know. So I I I felt like it was a, I don't want to say a bad joke, but I have seen these on World Star, YouTube, mm-hmm. Facebook. It was like a thing where, like, I can't believe this is really happening. I mind my business. Yeah. You know, like, I know I have a persona on social media, but, like, if anybody see me in public, I'm minding my business. I don't bother nobody. Mm-hmm. So I, it was a lot of disbelief. And I think because of how hard I was going in terms of us and how much I love us, I was not like I, I can never be disappointed in a white person for being racist. Like the, the society's supposed to produce yeah. that. Like for right. you, when you go against that, I'm proud of you. Shout out to you for doing that. You're supposed exactly. to be racist here. <laughs> that's what that's right. how it's America, embedded. It's embedded in American right. culture. Racism, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> whether you be whether you become like blatantly or whether you just got these biases that you're willing to look up, whatever. Like you're supposed to be that way. They want you to. Mm-hmm. So like I was more disappointed again in. The, the black folks there. And um, I think in that moment, that's when I realized that like, no, I don't want to say I didn't realize it before, but it's like, I cannot always expect people to have the same level of, of stewardship or the same yeah. level of care that I have just because they look like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think too, like wanting to, you know, pr- be there for my wife, but also understanding too, what's the best thing to do in this situation. And my book is really just a big prequel so it talks about like knowing everything about my consciousness beforehand and all the racist experiences I had and how black history helped me make sense of it. Right. You have to be aware, like at the drop of a dime, that she's calling the cops over. She's calling us the N-word. Two weeks before Alton Sterling happened. Three weeks before Philando Castile happened. Um, mm-hmm. A year ago, Sandra Bland happened. So I'm like, the last thing I want to do is be in a situation where an officer controls my destiny and I'm looked at as the instant or the the initiator when in fact she started this whole thing so it was it was it was whenever i dealt with something like that in my life and i mean more so like with police or whatever it was always a case of you're not gonna just get away with this like and i I get that from my mom and her dad a lot so i just knew point forward i wasn't gonna shut up about it i could tell (laughs) like and, and honestly we we need those moments because unfortunately we do see the the hate crimes where our loved ones the people who we look like on tv are gunned down or killed or you know incarcerated for reasons 
uh, of racism, right? Um, but hearing like your story and how you were able to um, overcome that and utilize that to to help elevate like this platform related to Black history, I think that is so that that's profound right there. So so tell me how like specifically like Black history, um, how did that help you in that specific situation in terms of like making sense of everything that was going on? I would equate it to, and this will be the first time I use this analogy. So I would say like if you take martial arts, um, they they tell you like we're teaching you this so you don't have to use it, you know? So it's one of those things where like they teach you how to do all these, these like really moves. You could kill somebody, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's self-defense. And, and most of the people who know martial arts are really unassuming. Like I've had kids who are fifth degree black belts, it's tiniest kids in the class, but could just kill everybody they wanted to with a simple move. So it's one of those things where like I had studied black history so much up until that point where I felt like my, you you like you calling me the n word doesn't like it it was more so like not hurt feelings but like mm-hmm. you you really disrespectful it was a disrespect thing i couldn't believe right. you did like this to me like for real um but again it's like you calling me the n word but like i know the whole foundation for european culture is africa like i know that america would not be what it was without black americans mm-hmm. like I, I i know that you know, Europe would still be probably in the dark ages if it wasn't for the, the Moors, the African Moors who came there. So it's like when you say that, it says more about you than me. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it wasn't something that I realized. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba lies in that moment that's why i say black kids you saved my life because it was something i realized when i was busted at white school when i asked my mom that question when i went to an all-black high school again noticing the differences when i got pulled over in high school um several times and and I, black history always served as that defense to fight it it was the buffer that said the police told you that you all fit the the profile but in my household, the profile is Dr. King, Malcolm X, Harriet Tubman, Rosa Parks, you know, Robert Smalls, like W.E.B. Du Bois. So it's like, do you are you sure you have the right profile? You know, and, and, and that's and that's what I mean. So I'm walking people. I'm teaching you history, but I'm teaching it from a narrative perspective. And I think that's unique because um, I, I love I can watch documentaries on our history all day. And they start like 1619 or whether they start in Africa, whatever. But I think it's something unique when you you hear somebody's personal experience as they go through it. Yeah. He dealt with this and then this is the history that counted it because that's personal to us. And we all, you know, selfishly want to see how it impacts us and how it relates to us. And that's why, like, our history is so important. Right. So, like, we it's literally a, a tool for for liberation currently. Mm-hmm. Right. Learning right. about our history. Um Dr. Amos Wilson, who's a psychiatrist, he actually talked about uh, amnestic, uh, ex- experiential amnesia, basically is mm-hmm. what he coined the term as. Um, and that's basically how America, specifically white people, how to try to keep our history away from us so that we're not thinking about or considering our past or our experiences, yeah. our history. Um, and then in turn, we essentially don't know how to combat situations like what you experience or mm-hmm. how to solve future problems. Yeah. And he, his basic like argument is that this amnestic uh, experiential amnesia is basically one of the reasons why it's difficult for us to, to progress when it comes to, um, you know, the, the status of like African 
African-Americans in America. Um, so, yeah. So that's what came to mind when you were talking about that. And that's, even kind of like, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm writing that down. That's powerful. You said experience. Yeah. I want to make, sure, make sure I have the term right. I was literally just reading it this week. Um, I think it's experiential amnesia. Okay. Yeah, I love Dr. Amos. I'm gonna have to um Yeah, he's dope. Yeah, yeah, I got I gotta revisit some of his teachings. But no, that's that's powerful right there, but it's but it's real. And I, I think it's it, so it, real. Yeah, it, it connects a lot to you know this the history of our our history being banned. <laughs> Not being able to read. That? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, goodness. it's it's I think and I had I had a the and I'll probably still make the video eventually, but like my mindset with that again, because knowing myself and knowing our history, that type of stuff is so laughable because for one, the kids ain't even learning black history in school anyway, whether it's Florida, whether it's where I'm at in Illinois, like for the most part, they not learn. Now you have rare teachers who are doing things, but it's just not the standard. He's just outwardly saying he hates it basically, you know? So that's what we have to start to understand. Your kids ain't even really learning it anyway. Um, but I think that understanding that he was this guy, DeSantis is trying is banning black history of AP anyway, or just black history everywhere, while also keeping other ethnic groups history in the school, lets you know how unique our experience is. Like you're gonna have all this Latino, Japanese, like Asian history, um, which again, all those histories are great and should be learned, but you're gonna single ours out. Mm -hmm. Um, black people just gotta realize like how powerful our stories are because again they 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 try to erase our memory take our cultures our names our religion all this stuff away and try to replace it with this of uh, this americanness that separates us from who we are because once you uncover that you know you start to look you become empowered it's like if 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 if, if you found out that your grandfather was a multi-billionaire or something you might be like oh dang and then because you found that out you get that inheritance like that money's good but equate that with the knowledge inheritance of who you are that that's who we come from. We yeah. come from people, you know right. what I'm saying? It's it's, it's invaluable. Right. So, like when if if our kids literally know this, then they don't take the disrespect that this culture gives out. And the and the worst thing for black children today is to be born in situations like I was in. And and my and again, I say that with the with the caveat of I I, I didn't grow up in like the worst situation. I grew up, it was a hood, it was it was red line, it was whatever, but like like there are Folks who are growing up in situations where they missing meals or they got to worry about this and worry about that. Like the worst thing is to think that something like that is your fault. And and that and that's where the trauma, like it is it, it compounding. So yeah, because you like, dang, like why why my house, like why mama ain't got this, why daddy ain't got this, or why daddy ain't here, or why oh why mama ain't working all the time, or you know, why we ain't got this, or mm -hmm. why my neighborhood you start to internalize, like, dang, we just bad. Like, no, like it, it like what. You probably, I don't know if you know, yes, Red Medicum. Like, yeah. he, he, like, nothing's wrong with you. Something happened to you. Him and another brother, Philippe Matthews, often say that. Once we start with that point, understand that everything they do, it's a reflection of them, not you. So, like, it's an honor. You want to ban my history? That's great. Like, you really, wow, you paranoid. I'm about to go to the library, check out some books. Mad I'm paranoid. To to Amazon to get these books. We're going to teach at home. I'm still, like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find my way to Florida right now. I messed some stuff up. I might, just try, I, might, I might just try to get a job just because. <laughs> because listen, take me to Florida with you. Let, no. You just like turn up out there. No, for real. Right, because right. It's, it's really like people out here who really think that it's because of us that we've experienced 
right. you know, because we're not like successful or whatever. I had somebody put that in my comments the other day. Um, a white man, I forgot his name, but um, I screenshot it. I don't feel like going through my phone. I would say it on the podcast, but he was so bold with it. Yeah. Um, I made a post about psychology and how it's inherently racist. And um, he said, like, this is why black people aren't successful today. This is why they'll never be successful. And it's like that same ideology. Right. So like making it like the things that we experience in our neighborhoods and our communities right. is a product of what we have done. Right. As opposed to the things exactly. that they experience that we have had. And and yeah, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm not even gonna cut you off, but like, it's like, but then what? What's your measure of success? Like, I don't, we don't. A Eurocentric frame of success is plundering whole civilizations and 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 making money off the backs of people. I don't want to be that level of success. I don't want to be that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, no, because you're stepping on somebody's toes right now. Yeah. Um, it, and also, it's the, it's the simple fact. I had um, Conscious Lee is on the podcast this month oh, as well yeah, for um, Black History Month. Yeah, he was dope. And so he made a point yesterday and was saying like, okay, you know, privilege is basically saying like, okay, whose history is an elective? <laughs> whose history is an elective? Come on now. Like, no. literally, like he can have all the, you can have, you know, American history, uh, you know, Jewish, his, like you can have all those histories, but when it comes to the black history, African-American history of yep. uh, the country and with the backs of this country who it was built on, like it, our history is an election. Come on, look, 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 look. I went to a, again, I went to a um, predominantly black high school, but, but just because something is predominantly black does not mean it's serving the best interests of black people. Say it again. Come on, now, nah, like, like it was just because your institution or your high school, whatever workplace is majority black, does not mean it's serving the best interests of black folks. Our history was an elective, you know. I wanted to take it my senior year, but I also wanted to work. I did work study, so I couldn't take it. But we had a majority black school, black history is an elective. When I declare my history major, my I think my my second year, um, one of the first courses you have to take, I still remember the number at U of I. It was like history 142. Western civilization. You know, I had never heard Western civilization in my life. I just heard European history, white people, whatever. I'm thinking the class about to be about the Western hemisphere. That's how naive I was. I'm thinking Western. Okay, we're looking at the because, but not even thinking they put themselves at the center. Oh, for sure. So we going there. This dude talking about Europe. I'm like, bro, how is this required? But every every Black history course I took, even though it would cross list with some stuff. It was it was extra. It wasn't required. It was extra. So you like and, and this was the top public school in my state. Love my school. But th that's a part of the problem. Yep. Like, come on. Now, y'all stuff is it's not. The, and then when you take their history, they never teach you about the white folks who went to Africa to learn. Mm. They, 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 they always start like after they stole after Pythagoras stole the the so-called Pythagorean theorem from ancient Kemet. Then you're going to start there after Hippocrates stole from Imhotep in ancient Kemet. You're going to start there or, or you're going to start the Renaissance with your Renaissance. Again, not with what the Moors taught y'all like, they, like, come on now. Just don't get me started. <laughs> I already started. Come on. No, seriously, because we need to hear this. Because like you said, just because it is like an institution that is um, even HBCUs, right? I Listen, I love my HBCUs. I've never been, so I can't. But I've, I've heard stories. Yeah. I love my HBCU, Delaware State University, till I die. Yeah. But at the same time, like we got to do a better job with making sure that our, our students are immersed in Black culture and things that 
like black professors, black. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. History. So I went to an HBCU, studied psychology there, and I had one course in black psychology. One. My entire four years. Wow. How how is this is an HBCU? Let me me tell you this too. That was my first major. And I and and I almost flunked out taking that course. My first major after my first semester, I was I had a 1.4. I was um taking psychology and now that i look back when i started reading about like you know trauma in the black community i started reading mm-hmm. resma minicum and dr joy DeGruy, and i started understanding like you said like the field of psychology is racist i started to understand like oh maybe it wasn't me maybe it's because i wasn't learning the right type of psychology i was just like yo i don't this ain't really interesting to me so right. i took i took one course did better took another course wasn't doing good on the test but but it, had I been taught from that Afrocentric frame of framework mm-hmm. of, you know, the impact of the, our trauma and everything else and how we dealt with mental health issues, I think I would have been more interested in it. And, and, and that's not something when our kids are taking these AP psych classes in high school and taking psych in general, we're always taught from the a white male's perspective and they mm-hmm. always studying us, you know, and they like and, and they never they never like outwardly admit when they wrong, like all of this stuff, like. It was it was a mental illness to run away from the plantations, right? Draper Tomania. Yes. I was just about to do a post on that. Like, <laughs> like people literally think like they don't know that this is the dark history of psychology. No, like, like said, said, and whiteness. Sometimes, and I'm I'm sure you probably feel this, you know, um, when you especially in your field, you gotta feel like we we in an we in the insane asylum. And we're the ones they look at like we're crazy. Like we're like you looking at us like we know this is what y'all built. Like yeah. we you told us that we were crazy for running away. You like created standardized testing to try to prove that we weren't intelligent. Uh, like you did human experiments on us. <laughs> like you were testing black women, the field of like come on, the field of medicine. Medical apartheid, another great book. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, but like, the, the wrong, attributed to us like this. Yeah. Whew, all right, listen, my blood pressure is getting raised. So I'm <laughs> you got me going. It's good though. They gonna love yeah. it. <laughs> um. So I know. So we're talking about Black History. We're talking about the attack on Black History, mm. while also acknowledging that it's very important for us to continue to advocate for mm. it. Mm. Um, I love how you said your parents instilled in you like uh, mm-hmm. blackness and, and what it means to be black and the greatness of being black. And I wonder, you know, how do we do that for our children? And if you have resources on how we can do that. Yeah, I would say. Um, so I have three things, actually. So I have, of course, I have my first book, Black History Saved My Life. I usually recommend that for like teenagers and above, honestly, more so going towards college and above. Um, if you're in high school, you probably would need some guidance reading it. But I say that because when you're reading that book as an adult or as a parent, the, the first third of the book is going to be about my younger years in elementary school. And even the next part is about high school. So you're going to understand how my parents responded for better, for worse. And also, too, what helped me make sense of it. So that's going to help you out. And then my children's book, The ABCs of Affirming Black Children, that story I told you about my mom, 
I basically deconstructed that and I, I reverse engineered it. And my mom gave me that one aff affirmation that changed my life. So now I said, okay, Ben, I'm about to get it. Your family's 26. And not only that, they're going to learn black history facts with each one. So the very first one, and, and I, I, I put them in there real smooth too. Like, because the first one talks about Africa and how we're all from there. You know, we're children of the sun. You know, double meaning there, right? And then right. I'm talking, I'm talking about James Brown. I'm talking about like old school black music. I'm talking about Fannie Lou Hamer. We got the, we got the usual folks in there too. But then I throw in like Lewis Latimer and stuff like that. So I, I tell people, I have directions in the book. Read that to your kids every day. I don't care how old they are. Like you don't start reading to your kids when they start talking. By then, you almost too late. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. they're 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 figuring it out as they go. They're watching you. So read that thing when like when the, when as soon as the baby can start, I think 15 weeks something like that. Start reading to the belly. I'm like dead serious too. I love like it. when if you if you read, I, I'm I'm just like I got four kids, two of them um in elementary school, nine and seven. I'm telling you this works because I've dang near 90% of the time I've read to my kids. There might be some days we I might slip, forget, whatever. I my kids' test scores are showing it. And I'm not a, I'm not like a big believer in the way the school system, whatever, but I, I but I still know that there's merit in going through the school process. My kids and they they they're like the percentiles they own off the charts in reading and math. And and I, I I think that's a direct like correlation to reading to them daily. So if you can't even buy, if you you, you just like they ain't got the money. I feel you. Go to the library. Took my kids to the library recently. You know, like get a book. That's up free. Just don't like return it in two weeks. <laughs> but read, read, like you can this stuff, like it's simple. Read to your kids daily. You don't have to know everything, but let them know that you're willing to help them. I saw this story. This little boy from New York, nine-year-old black boy, the poet laureate of the state. He's he's with the governor reading poems to open up her sessions and stuff like that. Yeah. He's raised by his grandmother. She said that in, in 2020, when the George Floyd stuff was happening, he had a bunch of questions. She don't know. She ain't a black history teacher. What did she say? Write about how you feel. Let's look up some stuff. That's all you got to do is be able to sit still and listen to your kids and, and don't say, I don't know. Don't mm -hmm. say, and I'm sorry, you can say, I don't know. Say, I don't know, but let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. Don't push them off. Don't tell them they to mind their business. If they ask it, then they're ready for the conversation. So like this, this stuff is free. You, you go to the library, um, ask your kids questions. And what I'm working on now, and I, and I can't give you a release, but I, but I, but I'm, I'm working on something that is going to give our families a dang near, it's going to be called black history years. Probably what I'm gonna call it. Like it's, okay. it, you're going to have somebody to celebrate with your family every single week, because I don't, I don't think a day, I think that's too quick. Like digest Dr. King for a whole week. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Digest Ida B. Wills for a whole week. You know, talk talk about these people. Um, those first five, 10 years, that, that makes a difference. And after that, you are, you would already have nourished that. Mm -hmm. And I also have an online black history course for K through five kids where we do this. But my best tip is to read to your kids every day, um, do some research with them, take them to the library, uh, put up some posters in the house that look like them. Um, when they watching some on TV, you know what I'm saying? Find representation as much as possible and let them know that if they see something that does not have representation, that that's not right. Because like not only are we 14, we weigh, I think we're more than that of the population because we don't know fill out the census. <laughs> but right. like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but like it, it's no way you should not be represented in everything you see. Mm -hmm. If you ain't if you ain't that created. Period. If you're not that created, 
Um, so parents, y'all heard it here first. So there are lots of books. There are lots of resources out here that you can utilize in order to instill the greatness of what it means to be black and to provide that racial socialization that um, our kids and our families need. So, uh, Mr. Krim, we definitely appreciated your presence today. Oh, thank you for having me. You know, we could have did like three hours of this. Right, like, I'm glad you tapped it though, because like I, I'll just keep going. <laughs> no, for real, that that just means you got to come back, because like yes, this yeah. this conversation can go in so many different directions. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> word. So I appreciate you for coming today. Um, where can the people find you? Yeah, I would say start with Instagram. Um, you know, TikTok blew me up a little bit, but like Instagram, I, I, I like the cohesion of Instagram. So go to Instagram at mrcrim three. Um, all my resources are there in my bio, the link tree. You go to ErnestCram.com. But like once you go on the Instagram, you'll be able to find or even TikTok at Mr. Cram through, you'll find a bunch of videos. So even when you're talking about what to teach your kids, you'll find information there for free that you can relate to them or have them watch. Amazing. I'm very proud of everything that you're doing. Please continue the work. Uh, so many people out there need you. Uh, everybody out there listening, make sure you guys tune in all month long as we talk about Black history and Black people. And don't forget, you have the power to create the emotions that y'all want to experience. God bless. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.